it pays to try and double check or fact check rather that research to make sure that you're really finding the true picture of what the sales are in that strip. Welcome to the Property Chat Podcast, where your hosts, Matt Ferugia and Lachlan McDonald, talk all things real estate. Hi guys, welcome back to Property Chat with Lockie and Matt. We're here at Real Hub's studio, which is incredible. If you've never seen this place before, uh, it's a warehouse in Brookvale that's just been completely kitted out. There's more tech here than I've ever seen. But um, anyway, I'm joined obviously with co-host Lachlan McDonald and today we're going to talk about research and everything there is to know about, you know, being a buyer and educating yourself around that. So Lockie, a couple of things we talked about obviously prior to jumping on today um, was just about for most buyers, they look at everything that they see in the advert to do with a property but don't necessarily have a mindset about what that is that they need to look at and research before they get there. Yeah, I think a lot of buyers, if you would ask them, what do you like at researching? They'd say, oh, I'm I'm across everything. I'm on realestate.com, I'm domain. There is not one property in the area that pops up without me noticing it. But I think what we're talking about in terms of searching like a pro is really being able to go to a property. Once you've got that shortlist, let's say you're going through, you know, six or seven properties on a Saturday. You've got a 15-minute, maybe 20-minute window because you're probably going to be rushing to the next one. What are you looking for? What are the key things that you need to determine? I think a lot of people perhaps fall short on that. They're looking at properties online based on aesthetics, Mm. what looks good. They're then going there and just having a quick wander through without purpose. I think that's what they're lacking, without purpose. You know, I'm sure you see it all the time from people in open Well, it's a bit rushed too, isn't it? You know, you've got so many other people there, so sometimes you can feel a bit frazzled. You sort of just want to get in and out and especially, you know, depending on the buyer, whether they've got young kids with them or or if they haven't really got that much time, they they do feel like they've just got to get in, have a quick look and more so become something that they look at the cosmetic value of the property and, Mm. you know, is it aesthetically pleasing? Is Is it looking the way they want it to look? But I think some of the big things that, you know, we talked about off air was how important it would be to get things together like a checklist that you take with you to each property that some of those questions you might be able to answer prior to. So it might be, um, you know, things like block size, if that's important to you, how big it is, what the aspect is, Mm. um, what are the appliances like inside the property, the overall condition, and then things like when does the kitchen likely to, to need replacing and same with the bathrooms, those sorts of things, so that you're not... I suppose, making decisions based on what you can see, but more so things that you could have researched a bit better. Yeah, exactly. And it's also delving a little bit deeper into the research too. Mm. You know, before you go to a property, find out when was the last time it sold? What did it sell for? Does it look like there's been work done in that time frame? You know, I mean, you can very quickly tell by looking up previous for sale listings online whether a property has been recently renovated. Mm. Um, So you can start to get a feel for whether perhaps you're buying a property that someone's trying to flip you know, and, and that's yeah. not always a bad thing, but it's just something to, to consider. Yeah. Um, also having a look at the area in greater detail. I think a lot of people turn up, they put it in their GPS, they head straight to the exact yeah. address of the property yeah. and they don't actually think about the area around them in greater detail until they move in there. They might know the suburb, but they don't actually really think about what's on either side of them. Is there any development applications in play? Is there any zoning that might actually be perhaps beneficial or mm. also detrimental to, to your property that you're looking at. Yeah. Um, all of these things that I think if people have a little bit more structure around their inspection, they could walk out of there with a clearer idea as to whether yeah. this home is going to be something that's suitable for them as opposed to just, oh yeah, look, it was aesthetically pleasing. And I think that 
to my mind is perhaps why you find a lot of buyers, they forget homes after they've left them mm. because they haven't really been looking with clear things to, to find. So they're just walking in and out of six homes on a Saturday and sort of after the, at the end of it, they're sort of left a little bit confused. Yeah, definitely. And I think for anyone who tuned into our episode with Simon Cohen where he talked about who's the buyer's agent from Cohen mm. Handler and he talks about the importance of what they do for a buyer because they do research and, mm. you know, they know exactly what's being happening around that particular property in terms of comparable sales, what's happening in and around, you know, the street with new buildings, new developments and things like that. So I think that speaks volumes about how important it is if a buyer's agent's out there doing research, well then if you're not using a buyer's agent, you should be doing those things. Do you think, you know, I know from my point of view as an agent, you'd probably know the same thing, is that sometimes a buyer will put their wall up when it comes to dealing with an agent because they start thinking, well... He works for the vendor. He's yeah. not going to want to give me the right advice. Um, there's a vested interest in any advice that he does give me. What would you say to a buyer who might be hesitant to speak with an agent for advice? Well, I think the important thing to remember is that the agent definitely works for the seller and the agent's not going to you know, give a property away or convince the seller to give a property away at a low price. But there is a sweet spot with within which the agent wants to help you because ultimately they want to get a deal done as well. Mm. Let's remember that. Um, So as long as you're being genuine with them, I think you'll find agents are really receptive to helping you as a buyer. And I think uh, certainly within, you know, the agent community, a lot of buyers can try and play the game too hard when Mm. they're searching and they they try and be a little too cold or perhaps... Yeah, a little little too standoffish. And the reality is agents deal with so many people on a daily basis and they talk to so many people and the large percentage or the, the, you know, majority of those people are often quite dismissive of them. Mm. So if you actually take the time to discuss with the agent what you're after and you, you're quite friendly with them and they like you, yeah. chances are you're going to stick in their minds. So maybe that property is not the right one for you. Yeah. Maybe, you know, you haven't found anything just yet, but the agent sees one next week. And who do you think they remember and who do you think they think of? Yeah, the right. buyer that was elusive and didn't take their phone calls or was rude to them at the open or the one who was really genuine with them, told them what they were after, was just a, a nice person essentially. Yeah, that's right. That agent is more likely to try and want to help you. Well, every buyer becomes a potential seller. So, you know, I think from that side of things, I know that that's how you build an incredible business in real estate is making sure that anyone that you come across who has the potential to come across you in a business transaction, whether it's now or in the future get treated with respect and and you know obviously you're doing everything you can to to add that value wherever wherever possible but i think you know some of the other things to consider with research might be not just the house that you're looking at but what else has sold in the street what else has sold in that immediate suburb and they're the things that you can also get some help from with an agent so if there's a property that you're looking at with that agent maybe asking them to run you through what is considered to be a comparable listing or sale nearby how they've come up with their pricing, all those sorts of things. Yeah, and some of the other things you can do is if you're coming from another area, so, you know, let's say a few suburbs across or maybe even a a different city, uh, the agent that you're selling with or that you're talking to about perhaps selling, they'll have access to a lot more data around the suburb that you're looking at. So if you're looking there and you can't find or you're struggling to find um, sale prices with some of the agents or perhaps um, they're just not that willing to provide some of them, um, which would be rare, but if you could 
couldn't get your hands on some information, the selling agent that you're using can probably get that info for you. Mm. And they're going to be really helpful because, you know, they are working for you. They're representing you in the sale of your home. Don't be afraid to ask them, hey, we're looking at a property in another suburb. It's, you know, three or four suburbs across. And I know that's not your area, but could you have a look and let me know perhaps what some of the recent sales in that street were? Mm. And just then you can compare those with the comparable sales that the agent gave at the open. Because an agent will usually give some comparable sales, especially if it's an auction property, but they might, you know, in the vendor's interest, leave out a couple of the ones that yeah. don't suit the um, the price they're asking for. And, yeah. and, and again, remembering the agent's trying to get the best price for the seller, so that's that makes total sense. Yeah. But it pays to try and double check or fact check rather that yeah. research to make sure that you're really finding the true picture of what the sales are in that yeah. street. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, for a buyer, if, if you had to say, okay, well, I've just started out looking in a particular suburb that it might be one you're not familiar with. So, you know, it might be down here in Brookvale, you know, in Narrabeen saying, okay, I want to buy something here. I've never been to the suburb before. Some of the first things I would probably do is make contact with some agents that you know have a bit of a track record who have sold a couple of things that you can just ring, find out a, a few key things about different suburbs. What are the schools that you need to be near? And if so, where would that home need to be located? All of those sort of questions I'd probably do early on in the piece. And then it'd be more so about once you've identified that particular suburb that you want to live in, then start doing research about, you know, maybe track five or six listings that you can see on the market today and watch them for the next couple of weeks. Just see where they, where they start price-wise and where they finish. Just so that you can get a gauge for how the market moves in that particular area some markets you'll see prices move in a more positive direction they might be listed with a bidding guide or with a price guide and they sell above just due to the level of interest or in some cases it might be the you know where it starts a touch higher and then slowly finds its level and sells maybe just below where the guide price was so i think staying educated yourself and, and tracking those properties is probably a great start and then as we talked about getting a couple of things on a list that are non-negotiables for you about a property because mm. if you know if you're a first home buyer or an investor or you're going into a property and, and it's at the max of your budget the last thing you want to have to go in and do is replace bathrooms or, or go in and replace appliances yeah. that you might not have th thought to check on mm. and i think when you say about getting to know the guide prices or you know pricing in an area when you really get to a, let's say a pro level, you can start to recognize different agent behaviors too, because different agents have different preferences. And some agents really like to quote exactly what their vendor's reserve might be. Some agents prefer to quote more of a starting price. It depends on the agent. But if you watch a few campaigns, you might start to get an idea of how different agents do things. Yeah. And that will give you a really good idea then when you look at it a property listed by that particular agent, hey, you know, they're asking or their guide is a million. Do they mean that the vendor wants a million? Is it that one of those agents? Yeah, or is it start one to of, know their routine. Yeah, and, and that's something which can be really helpful because agents do have a varied style in terms of the way they market properties. Yeah. And I think that's what frustrates buyers to some degrees. They go, well, you know, I saw this one and advertised for this and it sold for that and another one was advertised for this and it sold for less. And you go, well, hey, that's not necessarily anything other than the agent just chose to market that property a little bit differently. So, yeah. you know, getting to know some of those nuances can be really helpful. Yeah, definitely. I guess in terms of what you were saying with the checklist, though, I really want to go into that. I think that's really, really good for a buyer. What would be some of the things, I guess, key things, if you were walking into mm -hmm. a home, it's on your short list, yep. you walk through the front door, what are you looking for? I think some of the big things for me straight away, I mean, it, it comes down to each buyer and, and what they're looking for specifically, but I think for me, some of the key things would be straight away, that particular street. 
what else is in the street? What are the other homes? Are they predominantly made up of owner-occupiers, investors? Are they houses, apartments, townhouses? What, what are you surrounded by? And what are you in close proximity to? I think that's important. Um, so they're some of the things I'd want to check out straight away. You know, if you're a family, is it near a park? Is it in the school zone that you want it to be? So that's probably more the preliminary stuff that you do prior to getting to the property. Um, some of the other things that I'd probably look at would be exactly like I said. So things like appliances, because they're not cheap. When you've bought a house, the last thing you want to do is have to go and replace everything mm. that you thought you were buying. Um, then it would be just making sure that the cosmetic stuff isn't, you know, like we talked about just for flip purposes. It's actually been done properly. Things that have, you know, any renovations that have been done have been council approved, um, whether that's decks, pergolas, whatever. They're, they're some of the key things that I reckon I'd be doing straight away, just making sure that everything that is in working order that it's uh, advertised to be is actually the case. How about yourself? One of the key things, I guess, that I've always um, said to buyers for, for many years was that there's this sort of sweet spot, I feel, when you're looking at the, I guess, the how long ago a property was renovated. Mm. You know, something which is absolutely a brand new renovation, you're going to pay a lot more for that. Now, if you want to do that and you are the sort of person where you don't want to waste any time, you don't really have the, the time anyway, you'd rather just move into something finished, that's perfect for you. At the other end of the spectrum, that absolute renovator special it can tend to sell for a disproportionately high price because it's deemed to be good value by buyers. Yeah. They see, oh, this is a rundown house. It's a renovator's delight. It's got to have a lot of work done to it. It's going to have to sell for well under what everything else sells for here. But because it gets so much interest mm. um, from people that are renovators, it actually goes for a lot more than you might might think or mm. certainly would expect for a home in its condition. Yeah. One of the gems I say for buyers to look for is those homes that are neither of the two. The mm. ones that fit in the middle, the ugly ducklings, you know, the ones that are just this sort of 80s renovation and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Mm. You could live in it, it's not pretty, it's, you know, might have some slightly, you know, pink cabinets or, you but know, it's like functional. it's, it's functional. Condition. Yeah, it's not the prettiest, but it's it's yeah. fine. You'll get some, some longevity out of it. Exactly. And yeah. that's the sort of property which isn't going to attract the renovator crowd because it's probably too good to just completely gut straight yeah. away and yeah. they'll assume it's going to go for a little bit more um, and it's certainly not going to attract the um, mm. the crowd that is after something finished. Yeah. So what you could end up doing there if you search in that way and search for the properties that might have less appeal is you could end up finding something in one of the best areas and have something which in the future is going to be far, far better for you financially than having the most beautifully renovated house mm. in perhaps a lesser street. Yeah. So that's one of the key things that I look for is where, where does this property sit within its market? How has it been marketed? You know, am I paying for bricks and mortar or am I paying for very good marketing or am I paying for the fact that people deem it to be good value because of the fact that it's a renovator or that type of property? Yeah. So I think that's one of the key things I look for. Uh, one of the other things is also adaptability. If you're looking at a family home and, you know, we're not talking about apartments here, here in this respect, I, I mean if you're looking at a home itself, yeah. detached dwelling, um, you want to look for something that could grow with you if you need it to. Mm. Because as we know, changeover costs are quite expensive and if you found the perfect location, it'd be really frustrating and, and we see it all the time, it is for a lot of families, having to sell because they've had another child or their circumstances changed and they 
didn't think when they bought that property that they'd be in that situation. Yeah. So they never considered in their wildest dreams, oh, hey, we might have to account for X. Or maybe they start a home business and they need more space for that, whatever it might yeah. be. So just really planning and going, okay, if, we had our, if our life changed in the future, could this home accommodate? Would we be able to adapt it? Mm. And I think if the answer is yes, then it's probably a pretty safe investment because you could stay there for a long time. Yeah, and that would be through things like being able to extend, being able to go up, being able to add a granny flat or a studio or whatever that might look like. So I suppose that's doing a bit more research on the space that you're actually looking to buy. Exactly. Which works yeah. well. Well, guys, thanks again for tuning in to Property Chat with Lockie and Matt. We hope you found this helpful. And as always, if there is any topics you'd like us to cover off on, be sure to shoot that through.